Well, good evening, everybody, and we welcome you into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Chris Kerber with you here. Glad to have you with us as once again we bring you some insight of coaches, thought processes, anything that could happen either on the bench, behind the bench, in the front office that could be related to the game of hockey. The Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show is brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. They've got great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. You can increase the style and value of your home with new hardwood floors. They're a local family-owned business doing quality work in our community for more than 22 years. Three area showrooms are open. Give them a call at 314-730-3100. Shop online at Boardwalk Hardwood com, And folks, I'll give you a real quick uh, testimonial here. We're doing some work in our house. We were putting in a basement floor and uh, we wanted part of it to be carpet, but we also wanted some parts to have that hardwood floor look or put in hardwood. We decided to go with some of the luxury vinyl near a door and on the stairs that are going to get some high traffic areas. And we went in, we saw Dan at the Manchester location of Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Uh, not only did he walk us through the process, the product, we found the right product for the family needs that we had including a couple of dogs we found the right price that were the right product we needed for the budget we were working in they had a guy that did the install he was spectacular to work with we had the product within about a week and a half delivery time was quick and uh, the next thing you know we've got a spectacular looking stairwell and basement floor so that's the kind of service you'll get at boardwalkhardwoodfloors.com and at any one of the three area locations all right let's jump into the program here tonight coming up on the show tonight we're going to join us, uh, get joined in the next uh, two segments by Jamie Rivers, of course, show host here on 101 ESPN, but also a former Bluey. He is the owner and runs Synergy Hockey. They, of course, it's a youth hockey program where they work on training youth hockey players and coaches as well. We're going to get his perspective on leadership. I think leadership is a very important topic right now, not just in the world of sports, but also in our community and, and, and also just around the world. And so we're going to narrow the focus in terms of leadership and roles that it takes and how if you are leading young people, things that you have to be concerned about right now, not just socially but also health-wise with COVID-19 and how an organization like his is approaching those issues and how you deal with it. We're going to talk about that. We'll also talk with him about leadership, some of the captains he's played for and the kind of role that a locker room leadership is going to play in the success or lack thereof, for that matter, of these 24 teams in the National Hockey League that could be returning to action here within the next month or so. So that's all coming up on the program. Also in the final segment, we get you set for tomorrow and Friday night's replay of Games 5 and Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. And Craig Berube will walk us through what he believes is the key adjustments that the St. Louis Blues made in each of the four playoff series that led to the Stanley Cup victory. One of the aspects that we talk about a lot here on the Behind the Bench show, obviously, is coaching. We've focused and profiled many different coaches and general managers during this pandemic. The St. Louis Blues have one of the youngest coaching staffs in the National Hockey League in terms of overall coaching experience at the NHL level. And that's one of the things that made that 2019 Stanley Cup run so impressive as well. I had a chance to ask Craig Berube that question specifically and how they did what they did with essentially the lack of experience that they did have from a coaching standpoint at the NHL level. You know, those guys are smart guys. They've been coaches. They, they've been good players in the NHL. Uh, you know, they're good coaches, I'm telling you. 
Uh, they're some of the smartest coaches I've been around, and I've been around a lot of, a lot of good coaches over my time and, and uh, coaches with a lot of experience. But, again, you got players like Steve Ott and Van Ryan who played the game and played it at a pretty high level. They got really good feel. Davey Alexander, uh, he's not only a goalie coach, he does a lot of scoring scenarios for us and presents a lot of real good information from the offensive side of things and how goals are scored in the league. Uh, Sean Farrell, you know, the video guy, again, been around a long time, Sean, as a video coach, but also as a skills guy, knows a lot of, they know a lot. We had Larry Robinson with us who had great insight. You know, he's got 10 Stanley Cup rings. Um, so we had a lot of good information from Larry that we could use. Um, he's been there so many times and he was great with us. And, you know, he gave us a lot of confidence too, which was important. And, you know, you know, saying to us, you guys are doing a great job. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're going in the right direction. So things like that go a long way, but we we're pretty confident we were doing things right. And, you know, we've, we had a good feel for everything. I think more important than anything, we had a real good feel for everything. So that gives you some insight into the coaching staff uh, of Craig Berube. And a little later on in the show, I'm going to tell you a story about Craig Berube and kind of how he's handled that coaching staff. And it may be a story. Actually, I almost promise you it's a story that you, you have not heard yet. That's coming up a little later on in the program here tonight, so stay tuned for that. But one of the key things that Craig Berube just mentioned in that cut is he talked about Larry Robinson. So while Craig Berube didn't have a lot of extensive coaching experience other than a year and a half at the NHL level, and Steve Ott was a young assistant coach and a new assistant coach in the NHL in Mike Van Ryan, uh, and, and then, of course, you had a little more experience in the video side with Sean Farrell, you know, but still also very new to the National Hockey League was David Alexander, the goalie coach. One of the real keys was Larry Robinson. He had nine Stanley Cup titles. He just won his 10th with the St. Louis Blues. He talked about how Larry Robinson would sometimes just say, hey, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Think about that. Even coaches at the National Hockey League level needed some kind of coaching. They needed some kind of support. They needed leadership around them to assure them, hey, you're doing a good job. Hey, this is going well. Think about this because I've been through this from an experienced standpoint. If the Blues coaching staff had rejected that advice or thought that they didn't need any extra help or advice, it probably goes a different way. And another – Joel Quinville will tell you, you know, the role that Scotty Bowman helped that first Stanley Cup that Chicago won in 2010. There was a conversation on a plane that Scotty Bowman and Joe Quenville were talking about lines and how they were being used and put together. It was a big key to them winning that Stanley Cup in 2010. So a good general manager will have somebody, if it's not himself, somebody else a part of the staff as a consultant, as somebody just to vent to, as somebody just to talk to that can help coach the coaches, manage the managers. It's all a big part of this, and it's one of the key reasons that the St. Louis Blues had great success because not only did the Blues have it, but they had a staff that was willing to continue to learn and adjust with it. And when Craig Berube says one of the big reasons that we won the Stanley Cup and have had success that we've had in the current season that, that was paused is because we just had a really good feel of things well, that speaks to their ability to adjust, learn, and figure out exactly what they have. And uh, I think there's a huge lesson for anybody and everybody that has some form of leadership role in whatever walk of life or business or, frankly, parent 
that you may be. All right, uh, we will take our first break on this week's edition of the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Coaches Show. Jamie Rivers is going to talk to us about how you take a youth hockey organization and adjust to the times that we are living in right now with all the different issues that they are facing. That is coming up next. We'll be back in a moment on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. Well, welcome back into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Chris Gerber with you here this week and sliding in to help me out with the program this week is, of course, former St. Louis Blue, Jamie Rivers, also show host of Rivers and BK here on 101 ESPN. And then we're taking you out of the general sports format here and getting you just knee deep <laughs> right back into hockey. Yeah, I you like know, that. Got to shake off the cobwebs, put the <laughs> skates back on and, uh, and go. But, you know, first off, before we do... You know, I, I want to spend some time, as I mentioned in the last segment, talking about leadership. And, and I think it's a topic that is a very fair topic now to have, a fair discussion amongst all the other issues that we're dealing with socially, health-wise, physically, and, and the role that sports play in this. So, um, you know, and, and you got to be careful not to get too deep into the, the spider web of all the different factors going on right now while everything continues to get sorted out. But the one thing that is very clear and very real is leadership and, and the role that it plays. And, and one way we can be talking about the role that sports play in terms of leadership uh, in their community, whether it be through actions, uh, through their foundations, through how the athletes participate in the community, but another way, too, that we'll be dealing with in sports is how a team's leadership could really impact how your team is going to perform coming out of coming out of this pandemic. But we're also talking in terms of leadership, just kind of organizationally and a broader scope business wise. So you have Synergy Hockey, you know, that you've been a part of a huge piece of developing youth hockey players in town. What is this process of the pandemic and then the leadership needed to kind of make sure that parents feel comfortable that uh, their kids are first of all safe but then you also have the inclusive aspect that of course we're, we're seeing uh front and center right now in the world yeah look it's been a challenge for sure as far as the pandemic uh, is concerned with with small businesses in general and specifically youth sports where look the only reason we or the only way we have a business is by being in these arenas and participating and having kids come out I can't run Synergy Hockey from my living room. You know, there's no Wi-Fi good enough to recreate being on the hockey rink. So it's been challenging that way. But I think for me, um, you know, as a company owner with my coaches and employees, it's communication. You know, uh, anytime we get any kind of communication or some kind of memo on something, an update on guidelines, communicate it to them. Because everybody wants to get back to getting on the ice, coaching. And let's be honest, these these guys and these girls coach because they love to do it. It's a passion of theirs, and they're missing it, and it's a good source of income for them. So you want to try and make sure that you're reassuring them a couple things. One, that you're there, you understand, and you know that there's a financial impact that's that's going on. And two, you want to make sure they feel safe. And so when your coaches come back, you want to make sure you have the proper guidelines in place so that they feel comfortable. And then, you know, with Synergy Hockey, what we did is we sat down as a company, and I call it the COVID handbook. And we went from the moment a kid gets to the rink to the moment the kid leaves the rink, what are the protocols and guidelines going to be? On ice, off ice, dressing rooms, walking down the halls, whatever it is. And we literally went through a dry run. Went to a local arena and did a whole like mock day for Synergy Hockey 
Then we put that you know pen to, to paper with the handbook and made a file, and we've sent that out to numerous ranks and numerous clubs now. And all of our parents who send an email or a question, we send it out to them. And we let them know that, hey, we're, we're thinking about everything right now, and we want to get back on the ice too. We want everybody to have fun, but at the same time, got to feel safe. You've got to feel safe. One of the things that I've seen, uh, my brother was at a youth baseball tournament maybe about a week and a half ago, and the organization put out a kind of their COVID-19 handbook of how things are going to go. He was very disappointed to get there and realize that none of it was actually being followed. Thrown out the window, and, right? And to his point, he said, look, I'm perfectly fine with my son, and I still would have taken him to let him play. you know. But I, I'm more disappointed in the leadership of the group and the organization to put it together and then of coaches that just ignored it, that just didn't take it seriously enough to do it. And he goes, look – if, if you're just going to do that, then just say you're going to do that, and then anybody that wants to make the choice to participate, participates. Mm-hmm. But to put out the, the, the stuff and then not follow through on it, to him was worse than actually just not doing it. And, he, and, and again, when I was talking to him about this, we were talking about the examples being set and what are we telling the kids about how important this is. So the kids have lived through it with an amazing astuteness. Their lives have been affected as well from the standpoint of how do you learn online, all these different things. So in an extremely impressionable moment, the strength of the parenting, the strength of the leadership of the groups that they're in, the strength of the teachers or the dance instructors or whomever is doing Zoom meetings and lessons, volleyball coaches or or hockey coaches, whatever it may be, still rings very, very true for the kids. So one of the keys is what you did. How important to you guys has been the next step then as, the, as you start to get to where you might be able to bring them back into the rinks to make sure, though, that the coaches and everybody on down the line are actually following through on this for the safety of the kids? Well, yeah, that's a huge part, and that's why we did kind of the walkthrough thing is so that the coaches got the proper training too. And my approach to this is there is no gray area. And meaning by that, this is the way we're doing it. And every single time, this is the way it's going to go. We're not going to get lax. We're not going to get lazy. We're not going to just let it go. No, this is the way it's got to be. If parents don't like it, then they have the option of not sending their kids to the rink. But one thing I can guarantee you is when they send their kids to the rink, I'm going to be following the guidelines that we've put together, what we believe to be the best. And then it's up to me to make sure we're enforcing it nonstop. And I agree. My daughter had softball. Uh, last weekend too and you know what i felt like wow i guess i guess this thing's over with right because people were just doing things and i it you learn from things like that and so going into a meeting on monday uh, with the rest of the synergy staff i remember that i said to myself we have to promote structure one thing too curbs you know your wife's a school teacher it kids thrive with structure yep they don't like to just be let roam around you know And, and so providing them with structure actually makes them feel safer for whatever because at school they have every day every day hour of the day they have something to do somewhere to be they're not allowed to run wild they have lines they have to stand in walk in all this stuff but then sometimes people feel like oh we're just going to let them do their thing no because that's actually not in their comfort zone so we try to make sure there's structure in place and we do it friendly you know you take you make sure the kids are having fun but hey little reminders hey here's your spot hey you're a little too close hey no sharing drinks remember the rules you know and that way there, I think that the kids over the course of time, after the first couple of days, the kids will know. 
they'll have the structure in place, and then hopefully my coaches at that point can just continue to implement that. We're talking with Jamie Rivers on this week's edition of uh, the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show, uh, talking about kind of how the, the COVID-19 has impacted his business with Synergy Hockey and, and, and the work that they're doing in terms of developing hockey players, but how you have to continue to move forward now within the guidelines and also focusing, too, on the role that leadership plays in there. And we'll talk in the next segment about just some of the on-ice leadership stuff that, that you dealt with in a career and how this is going to impact uh, hockey teams coming out of this pause if they're able to come later July and into August. What role and how important is it for people in your position, coaches of youth, to also make sure that the parents understand and respect those rules that you are putting in place so they can actually help you with the implementation and the understanding. I'll bring, I'll give you this example. My daughter had a soccer practice yesterday. Normally it's a carpool of about five or six girls. Well, it's not a good idea to carpool mm-hmm. right now. So on the drive there, she was asking, why can't we carpool? Okay. I took I have to explain to a 10-year-old why, and not that they're going to necessarily get it, but you have to play that role. When you get to the field, you know, then you also still have to make sure you're setting that example of, so I'm, I'm talking with parents, but we're at 6 to 10 feet away, th- th- those type of things. Have have you thought through the process of making sure that or how you work and deal with the parent side of it, if parents want to be a little more lax or if they do feel it should be uh, as strict as you need it? Well, that's the number one reason for what I what I'm calling the COVID handbook is so that parents see the documentation that they read it and then we have a sign off page on it so to me look you can flip through it and sign it I guess if you just want to do that or you can read it and sign it either way I'm trying to make sure that we're all on the same page we're the adults we're all trying to protect the kids we're all trying to give them the best experience possible so we're going to read through that and then I think the biggest thing is the communication and you know the parents they want to have a meeting and talk about it we'll have a socially distanced meeting and we'll do it in the lobby of one of the rinks and i'll make it very clear that we're not going to bend or break on these things so if there's questions or situations that come up throughout the day throughout the week come and talk to me call me text me whatever we'll discuss it and a lot of times i think the inclusion of the parents with the kids is important and what i mean by that is don't just isolate the kids and talk to them about it And flip side of that, don't just isolate the parents and talk about it because you want the parent and the kid driving home to be able to talk about it. Hey, Dad, what did he mean by this? Oh, hey, son, this is what Coach was talking about here. Now they both have a clear idea of what the expectations are or what the rules are or what the guidelines are going to be. You don't have one entity not knowing what the heck is going on. So for me, communication is the biggest piece of the puzzle. You make sure everybody understands understands clearly and if there's questions you got to answer them and then they can have dialogue amongst themselves but again to me the number one thing in anything i do it's all about communication that's the voice of jamie rivers of rivs mbk here on 101 espn also former st louis blue we'll take a quick break and when we come back the national hockey league is going to start getting things rolling here over the next couple weeks with small groups How is this going to impact teams in terms of the leadership of a group and how quickly that can bring things together? It's going to be an important factor as uh, we focus a little bit on leadership and direction here on this week's edition of the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Back in a moment on 101 ESPN. 
Welcome back into the Boardwalk Harbor Floors Behind the Bench Show. Chris Kerber with you. Glad to have you with us. Hey, coming up in our final segment of the show tonight. Tomorrow we've got, and Friday, we have our final two editions of Play Gloria. We're going to be bringing you the play-by-play of Game 5 of the 2019 Stanley Cup Final against the Boston Bruins. And then Game 7 on Friday night with brand new one-hour pregame shows. We'll get the impact and the 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 thoughts of Darren Pang and John Kelly, along with Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrario helping host as well. That's tomorrow night. Pre-game at 6 on tomorrow and Friday. Play-by-play at 7. But coming up in the next segment, just to kind of prime the pump a little bit for you, we're going to take you back and bring you some sound from Craig Berube here on the Boardwalk Hardwood, uh, Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Coaches Show. Well, behind the bench, we used to call it the Coaches Show. And he's going to tell us what he felt was the key adjustment he made in every single one of those series. What was the one key adjustment he thought that the coaching staff and team made that led to success in each and every series? That's coming up in the final segment of our Behind the Bench show tonight. We're joined by Jamie Rivers of Ribs and BK. By the way, I noticed how you very smartly just said, okay, whoa, 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 I'm, I'm the veteran guy now. My name's first. Yeah, that's yeah. the way it goes. Just like when we're playing, right? Like choice of number, choice of locker that's room. Exactly right. I was like, hey, how many years you got? And he was like, well, I got more years in radio. I didn't know how many years in life do you have? He's like, well, 27. I go, yeah, oh, yeah it's Rivs and BK. You Have you started calling him Burger King on the air yet? I should. You have to start I doing should. that. Today might be the debut of Burger King. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the way to do it. Call him. You just start. Hey, what's up, Burger King? <laughs> that's just, a great idea. And then just let that one go. I am. He will pause. He will wonder why I'm doing that and shake his head as and, usual. And then when he when he when he says something dumb, call him Burger Chef. Burger Chef. I like that. And go go with that one. But uh, all right, so let's let's get back into into hockey here a little bit now. Um, is we're focusing, folks, uh, on some of the many topics and different angles of leadership here on this week's edition of the show. The National Hockey League. When it gets to Phase 4, so Phase 2 will be the opening of the rink sometime next couple of weeks, and groups can skate in as many as six groups of six. Then it will phase into Phase 3, which will be the opening of training camp sometime probably during that second week of July. And that is, of course, if you know both sides get to the agreements that they need to on all the different economic and safety factors. And, and then, of course, Phase 4. How do you view the leadership of... The 24 different, I'm not saying go through the 24 teams, but the role that the leadership in the locker room of these 24 teams is going to play in terms of how competitively successful they can get coming out of this break. I'll tell you what, I don't know if there's ever been a time in history where leadership is going to be more valuable than right now on several different fronts. And the number one front is, hey, guys, let's get back to business here. You know, if we're in groups of six, we have to have a very defined idea of what we're going to work out with and, and what we're doing off the ice. We have to make sure everybody's back into the mode, like not just kind of getting back into shape mode. you got to get them ready for playoff mode. So it's keeping it regional here, St. Louis Blues, they have an advantage. They know what it takes to go all the way and win, and they were having a real successful season leading up to the pause and one thing that's evolved with the St. Louis Blues in the last year, two years even, has been the leadership of guys. Alex Petrangelo has emerged as a fantastic captain. You have Vladimir Tarasenko, Alexander Steen, Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen. Heck, Colton Pareko now is viewed as part of the leadership group. 
you did that you can't put a price tag on that because teams that are successful it all comes down to who the the other guys will follow and when you have these guys dragging you into the battle as leaders for your hockey club it's a lot easier it's a lot more defined and it goes back to that communication thing these guys set the standard they talk about it and there's no wavering now we want to go one better than that coach Craig Berube you talk about a leader this guy's a leader, and it's not like people think. I know people look back and they go, oh, Craig Berube, oh, wow, he had 412 fights in the pro hockey. Yeah, he did, okay? But he learned how to be a leader and a good teammate, and when he took over the St. Louis Blues, it wasn't about intimidation. It wasn't about my way or the highway. I don't know the last time I've seen it to be such a partnership. And Craig Berube came in, and basically he earned the trust of the players. And then in doing so, he was able to create this culture to where the players were empowered to have leadership groups and to run their locker room and to hold guys accountable. And Craig Berube, he was the the mastermind behind it all. He ran, you know, he pulled all the strings. But honestly, when I look at the St. Louis Blues, the culture they've created and their leadership group from the top down has been phenomenal. And I'm telling you what, Curbs, that is going to pay off huge going into phase two here, where they've literally. It's almost the honor system, right? And if, with no coaches around, you're going to have to rely upon the, the the players to take care of it. And I'll tell you what, St. Louis Blues have probably, if not, the best group of leaders in the entire league. Can those leaders play a role even before things get going? Like ab- like right now, where would it, would it be inconceivable to think that an Alex Petrangelo or a captain or an assistant captain, or even if – you don't have a letter, but you are one of the leader, a part of a leadership group of one of these NHL teams. Be reaching out to the younger players and saying, "Hey, are you sticking with your program? Because we're going to need you, and we're going to need you quick and early. You know, so make sure you're sticking with your program even before they get into back into the rinks." Yeah, and look, it's, that's another reason that the Blues are fortunate. I know for a fact that some of these leaders have reached out to younger guys. Vince Dunn, and talking to him not too long ago, he's like, "Yep, the boys are keeping tabs on me," you know, and, yep. and other guys too. And that's important. Well, a couple of reasons. One, you want to make sure that everybody stays in communication. Make sure everybody's doing okay. This tough time, it's a weird time, and you want to make sure that just guys are on the right page mentally, that they're not feeling depressed or down or having some troubles internally. So you want to reach out to them, make sure they know, hey, I know you're there. I'm, I'm wondering about you. I care about you. And then once you get past that, it's like, hey, so what are you doing with yourself? Are you working out are you stick handling at home are you doing this are you watching video if there's anything you want to work on get a hold of sean farrell have him send you video they still have access to all that stuff so yeah it is a hundred percent true that the leadership group will reach out to not just the young guys but to everybody and make sure they're on the same page and i guarantee you those phone calls are happening or text messages are happening right now as we speak who are some of the different captains of the hockey teams you were on oh boy uh well we had brett hall which uh, Holly's my boy. I love Holly. He was, you know, people look at that and they often wonder, like, well, how was he the captain? It was pretty easy. It, it really was. He was a very vocal guy, and he wanted to win very badly. Uh, were his methods as a captain maybe different than other guys? Yeah, probably. But guys followed him into battle, and they believed that Holly could get the team there. Uh, Wayne Gretzky followed that, which, you know, that was short-lived, but still was Kind of a, a, an amazing moment to have right. Gretz on your team as well as your captain. Um, you had Steve Eiserman in Detroit. And that, to me, as much as I, I respect all the captains I had, you know, we, we had Al McKins, we had Chris Pronger as well. Just fantastic captains. But for me, Steve Eiserman was the model. 
You know, he came into the league as a goal-scoring player that you know was winning scoring championships. Scotty Bowman takes over, basically lays it out to him. Do you want to win scoring titles or do you want to win Stanley Cups? And Steve Eiserman, being the ultimate leader that he is, so I want to win Stanley Cups, switched him around, turning him into a checking center, still got a little bit of power play time. Then Steve Eiserman playing against us in the playoffs, he's laying down blocking Al McKinnis slap shots. Can you imagine that? You know, like you talk about leadership. And, and so with Stevie led by example, and then he also like he, he he pulled his weight in the locker room, meaning if you were doing something wrong, He'd bring it up. No, not all the time. Wasn't a real vocal guy, but when it needed to be said, he said it right. So Steve Eisenman was great. Um, trying to think of some of the other great captains that we had over the years. But, uh, you know, back here, Dallas Drake, he was a mm-hmm. great captain yeah. too. Yeah, I can't forget a guy like that, just a blood and guts type guy that, again, uh, watch what I do and do as I do type captain. And uh, just a, a real great guy. When – and as we talk with Jamie Rivers, just kind of about leadership, which seems to be, you know, we, we can focus on the world of sports, but leadership is just so important with what's going on in the world right now. And the role that sports teams play in the community now, you've got the perspective of being in several different communities as a player, including over in, in Europe and Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the perspective then of staying in a city and living there as just, you know, trying to get a business started and, and, and back at work working at a radio station, that, <laughs> that kind of thing. When you look now at the role that sports teams play in terms of the importance in their communities, what do you see? Wow. Well, to me right now, you got to think back a year ago, okay? A year ago here in St. Louis, I don't know, you could barely walk downtown because Stanley Cup final is going on. And you looked out into the crowd and you saw how many different people. It was amazing. And people were, you know, arm in arm, basically cheering on the St. Louis Blues, the watch parties at Enterprise Center, the watch parties at Bush Stadium where it's raining outside and fans are still sitting in the stands pulling for one cause, which was the St. Louis Blues. So I think, especially last year, the Blues playoff run, it was such an underdog story that that really, really, really helped the spirits of people in St. Louis. And I think that that's one way that it can really help a community where people are pulling in the same direction. They all feel like they're part of the team. And I'll tell you what, that's one thing that Tom Stillman and the ownership group have done here with the St. Louis Blues fan base. It's made them be heard. You know, they feel like they're part of the team. Like if they don't like something, they feel like they're heard. And Tom Stillman has done a great job of being amongst the people. Chris Zimmerman goes out and they talk to people. They walk around the concourse. You don't see that very often. I mean, imagine Jerry Jones doing that. Like, that doesn't happen, right? So I think the the leadership, as we're talking about today being the theme, that's where it starts. And then you work your way down, and the Blues have done a, a fantastic job of creating all these different programs and opportunities for people to come together. Heck, the Enterprise Center now has social gathering areas to where you can get together with your buddies in one area and watch the game, have a couple of cold ones, whatever. You feel like you're tailgating almost watching the game, and that's how you bring people together. And certainly championships make people really happy and parades yep. make people really happy. But to me, that that whole feeling of supporting a great cause or a great team, nothing brings people closer. And in the end, I guess to tie this all into really the, the most important topic of the day, which is uh, the, the social aspect of leadership – 
the conversations, whether it be COVID-19, whether it be racial injustice, whether it be social equalities, um, those have to start with leadership in every organization. Like every organization now needs to be having or starting or thinking about and finding a way to create, whether it be Zoom meetings or on-site, you know, training. Like, like even, even youth hockey organizations can participate in that inclusive discussion. Don't you think? Absolutely. Look, it's and starts, it almost has to be part of what we do now moving forward. It if has it hasn't to be. been done already. You have to have a game plan here, and I don't mean X's and O's. And it it starts from the top. If the top guy, the leader, the lady who's in charge of the company, the man who's in charge of the company, the coaches, whoever's in charge, that's where the rules start. And that's where the education on how you're going to handle things start. And now you just get to work and you make sure that it's very, very defined that things that are going to be unacceptable. Here's what they are. And if you fall into this category and I see it on a regular basis, you're gone, not tolerating it. And we're going to tell you what, if this is a company, we'll have training available for you. You know, let's not just send them blindly into this thing. Let's offer some training. Let, let's get people to understand the ramifications of their words or their actions let them try to learn before we just cast them off the island here. But, yes, definitely the leadership at this point has to be the one to guide them into this situation, and it's got to change. It's got to change. Never mind yesterday. Never mind. Right now, companies should be building programs and coaches should be building guidelines to how to approach this and just make it a better place to be. We got enough stuff going on in this world all the right. time. We need to come together, be together, and sports and business is a wonderful way to do it. That is the voice of Jamie Rivers joining us on this week's edition of the Boardwalk Carver Floors Behind the Bench. Thank you, sir. Anytime, Curbs. That was an awesome approach from somebody that is not only on the air on an everyday basis, but running his own business with Synergy Hockey, the perspective of, of a former player, and now someone, of course, that's been a longtime community member and how it all eventually ties together. We'll take a break. We're going to stay on this topic of leadership. Because when it comes to sports, even in-game leadership makes a big difference. And Craig Berube is going to talk to us about, and we're going to hear from him about the different changes he made in each playoff round during last year's playoff series that led to success as we get you set for tomorrow night's and Friday night's Play Glory of the St. Louis Blues Run to the Cup episodes of Game 5 and Game 7 of last year's Stanley Cup Final. We'll be back in a moment, our final segment of the Boardwalk Carver Floors Behind the Bench Show, coming right up on 101 ESPN. Well, one final time tonight, we welcome you back into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Chris Kerber with you here. Glad to have you with us. Hey, you can increase the style and value of your home with new hardwood floors. Now, take my word for it. I have Boardwalk Floors in my home. I love what we did. We put in some of the luxury vinyl in an area in our basement where kids are going to be walking in and out of a basement door but then what we also did is use that same flooring on the stairs and it looks spectacular and it was their idea to do it on the stairs and i'm glad we listened to them boardwalk is a local family-owned business doing quality work in our community for more than 22 years the three area showrooms are open give them a call at 730-3100 314-730-3100 and shop online at boardwalkhardwood.com they've been bringing you the boardwalk hardwood floors behind the bench show all season long all right, we just talked to Jamie Rivers in the last couple of segments as we talked about leadership. 
partnership, whether it be of a local business dealing with youth hockey or just even on the ice and the role that that is going to play when and if the NHL resumes here in a matter of weeks to a couple of months. Well, tomorrow night, right here on 101 ESPN at 6 o'clock, is the pregame show for game number five of last season's Stanley Cup final. And on Friday night at 6 o'clock, the pregame show for Game 7, Blues-Bruins of the Stanley Cup Final in 2019. It is Play Gloria, the St. Louis Blues run to the Cup. It's presented by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating and also bought it to you by McDonald's. And we've got the pregame shows at 6, the play-by-play of each of those games coming your way at 7 o'clock. Well, we were able to catch up a little while back with Craig Berube. He is, of course, the leader of the St. Louis Blues. I'm going to tell you something about Craig Berube that maybe a lot of a lot of people may not know. So he joins the St. Louis Blues as the assistant coach. And you have Mike Yo in the main, uh, the head coach's office, and then coming out the office door is kind of more of an open area. If, if, if those of you have an open floor plan for offices where you may work, you know, and then it leads from there out into the hallways that, that takes you down into the locker room. So Craig Berube had his area on on one of those desktops that's kind of in that open area. Craig Berube, once he was named head coach of the St. Louis Blues, never moved into that other office. He stayed in that area with those other assistant coaches. And after last season, after winning the Stanley Cup and then losing and having that interim tag taken off as he was the quote-unquote official head coach of the St. Louis Blues, he still didn't move into that office. That's a room that right now they've been using if they need to meet with a player one-on-one or something like that. He is still sitting in the same kind of cubicle area right next to Steve Ott and Mike Van Ryan and the other coaches that are in that office. And you know who did that as well? Do you know? I'm going to tell you right now. Another coach of the St. Louis Blues that did that same thing was Joel Quenville. When Joel Quenville was with the St. Louis Blues, his desk was in the same room of his assistant coaches, Mike Kitchen and Jimmy Roberts, and then the other assistant coaches that came along the way when Jimmy left. And it was after Joel Quenville left when there was a side, there's kind of, in, in the old locker room area, there was a side office, a side office. And, you know, that's when the other coaches that came in, Davis Payne, Andy Murray, Ken Hitchcock, they had their office kind of in there, and the assistants were in, in a separate room. Uh, Joel Quenville and Craig Berube, the two coaches that since I've been a part of the St. Louis Blues, have not done it that way. They've kept their office area and desks right near the assistant coaches and didn't separate from us. So another, again, just another interesting aspect of leadership. And I promise you, I, I bet you that's something that uh, almost none of you have heard about Craig Berube at this point in time. All right, but anyhow, we caught up with Craig as we get you set for tomorrow night's final two games of the Stanley Cup run. And we had him go through each series and tell us what he thought was the key adjustment. So you can do all the motivating you want. You can do all the leadership that you want and all the speeches and all the X's and O's. But once that puck drops, you've got to be able to adjust with what's going on. And in a playoff series, not only are you adjusting from one game to the next or one period to the next, but you're all adjusting from one game to the next and how it impacts a series. So here's what he had to say as we build up to those final two games of the Stanley Cup final. First off, round number one against the Winnipeg Jets. Here's what Craig Berube had to say about the key adjustment made in that series. I think switching the lines up. um, I went back to uh, 
Shen, Schwartz, Tarasenko, and then uh, Perron and Sanford are different, a different winger at times on the left side there. Yeah. Sunquist was up there a bit too. So I think that that switch with the lines was the biggest adjustment I made. I felt that um, I needed to get O'Reilly away from Shifley a little bit, loosen, loosen him up. And uh, I, so I played Shen against Shifley's line a lot. Physical player, uh, yet, you know, Shen played a real physical series, well, a physical playoffs, but in general, I wanted a more physical player up against uh, the Shifley line. All right, round number two against the Dallas Stars. As Craig Berube called it, maybe the most even series, even more even than the Boston Bruins series. Here's what he thought was the key adjustment in that second round victory over the Dallas Stars. In certain Sammy Blay, um, I think game five or game six, I can't remember, game five or game six, his physical presence really thought changed the, the, the you know, the feel of the, the series. Um, he did a great job of being physical on Ben and Radulov. And um, I thought that, you know, that changed the series a little bit. I thought they had a little bit of momentum until I did that, uh, put uh, Blay in there. And I thought he did a real good job. He scored a couple goals too. Um, but I thought that that lineup change was really important. I think that was my, you know, I might've been the most even series out of them all, including the Boston. Um, they're a tough opponent. They're a good team, really balanced. Uh, Bishop played, played excellent hockey against us. Uh, so it was a tough series all around, but I thought blaze physicality really changed things. Round number three, the San Jose sharks, the dismantling of the sharks. He was very clear what the key was to that series. I think the one thing that stands out against San Jose would be how we we took care of Burns and Carlson. I, I think we did a great job there, um, especially after game one, of really focusing on being hard on and physical on those two guys, uh, taking, taking the puck out of their hands as much as possible. Um, and again, the physicality was a big thing on them. There was a bunch of big hits on those guys. We ended up putting Carlson out of the series. And, you know, I just think taking those two guys away really um, hurt their hockey team. They're a big part of their team. You know, they play 30 minutes plus a night. They're, you know, they're on the offense, defense everywhere, penalty kill, power play, they're everywhere. So I thought that we did a great job of really neutralizing those guys. And, 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 you know, I think that was the reason we won. And finally, this one might surprise you just a little bit, but Craig Berube talks about what he felt was the key to the Boston series, and it wasn't so much an adjustment as it was how something was played. The big reason we won that series was I thought that we did a great job in our top line, to be honest with you. Between um, Sunquist's line and Shen's line, I, I rotated both of those uh, two lines against those guys. You know, they play a lot, and I had them out there, one, either one or either the other. Obviously, Perinko and Bolmeister, too. But neutralizing that line five-on-five five is the reason we were Stanley Cup champions. Well, there you have it. The ability of two separate lines to be able to shut down the top line of the Boston Bruins was the key he felt to winning that series against the Boston Bruins and lifting the Stanley Cup for the St. Louis Blues 
first time in franchise history. If you have missed either of those games or any of the uh, well, multiple replays that have been out here. Tune in tomorrow night. It's play glory. The St. Louis Blues run to the cup. Tomorrow night, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock play-by-play. That comes your way with game five victory. And then on Friday night, again, a 6 o'clock pregame show, 7 o'clock play-by-play. We come your way with game seven. That fantastic game seven win, a 4-1 to victory that clinched the 2019 Stanley Cup for the St. Louis Blues. That wraps up this week's edition of the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench show. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. A big thank you for uh, for Jamie Rivers getting his perspective and for Craig Berube for helping out as well. And another big thanks as always to Alex Ferrari and Michael Ryder who helped uh, produce the show and put this thing together for you. It's brought to you each and every week by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. We come your way on Wednesday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. Every single night we put our head on the pillow and then every single morning we wake up We find ourselves a little bit closer, hopefully, to the beginning, I should say, the conclusion of a hockey season that was started before the pandemic. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow night for the pregame show before game number five, right here on 101 ESPN.